Hello, and welcome to Loaf, a movie podcast. My name is Raul Duca. And I'm Jason Mallett. And today we're talking about a movie called A Quiet Place. Came out in 2018, stars John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Uh, also directed by John Krasinski. And so basically, this movie starts off, you see this family in a abandoned store, and they're being really quiet, and they're kind of hunting around the store, getting, like, looks like they're gathering supplies, and their youngest son goes and he tries to grab a spaceship toy because he sees it and he thinks it looks cool, and the parents are like, no, you can't have that, but they're not talking, they're, like, signing to him. And... The kid's obviously bummed that he can't have the toy, and the daughter of the family feels kind of bad, and so she, like, sneaks him the toy, takes out the batteries, it's like, here, just take it. Um, the kid looks grateful, and then he, as the family's walking out, kind of goes back and takes the batteries, and no one sees him do that. And then, when the family's walking home later, they're, like, walking on this sand path, obviously trying to keep quiet, and all of a sudden, you hear this, like, electronic sound, and the kid has put the batteries in the spaceship toy and is like playing with it the family freaks out the dad john krasinski like runs trying to get to the kid and as that's happening you see this like monster sprinting through the forest and before the dad can get to the son he just gets destroyed by this monster so that's the first time we see the monsters in this movie um and after that you kind of fast forward a year later you see the family living in this house that's very like custom made cabin in the mountains that they've made so that it doesn't make a lot of noise um they have soundproofed walls and things like that the family doesn't really talk they're like sign languaging throughout the whole movie and you also see that the wife is now pregnant um and so they kind of just live in their life uh you can see like kind of newspaper clippings around the house giving you a little more backstory saying that there's some aliens landed um and started causing like basically havoc and you learn that they they hunt by hearing they can't see but they're very sensitive to sound and you you kind of get the picture that the family's being quiet because they're gonna die if they don't these aliens will get them um so then next on the movie the dad takes his son to go teach him to go fish and just generally be a man uh and while he's doing that the mom and daughter staying home the mom is doing laundry and as she's doing laundry she goes into labor uh, which seems like a horrible thing to happen during this kind of scenario. And she's walking downstairs to get everything ready for her birth. And all of a sudden she steps on a nail, gives out a scream. And then the monsters like kind of start coming towards the house. Uh, the dad and son rush home. And then basically from then on, the large part of the movie is just them like kind of battling these monsters and trying to stay alive while the monsters are in the house hunting the family. Um, and then, so the movie ends with the dad sacrificing himself to save his kids and uh, the family goes downstairs. They look like they're kind of in a losing scenario. The monsters are creeping in the house and all of a sudden the daughter who is deaf uh, figures out that her hearing implants when messed up, like pushed together with a microphone cause some sort of feedback noise that is overwhelming to the monsters and they use that to cause the monsters to like expose their vulnerable parts i guess and the mom like shoots him with a shotgun kills him and the movie basically ends i think uh i think that's about it right? yeah that's pretty much the bones of the story obviously there's some other details that we didn't talk about but that's what happens um thoughts on the movie uh rad what do you what did you think i i really enjoyed the movie i thought it was really well done i i'm not really a big fan of the horror genre but this was such a unique film in pretty much everything that it did it there's such an importance played on 
the the details in the movie they they had sand everywhere so that the like you knew that they had thought these things too like oh if people are walking around they're gonna make noise so yeah and they, then they also had some other stuff like i noticed like the I don't know what you call it. Like, there's a when a baby's lying in the crib and they look up. There's like something that turns around and it's like, yeah. So they they did that. But they like soundproofed it, and made like pigeons out of like I don't know, like cloth and stuff. Yeah, it looked so like stuffed animals. They like it. soundproofed the house. They like every single thing that they did was like modified to not make noise. So that that was really like nice attention to detail in the movie as well. Yeah, and it was, there was like so many things like we can talk about, and there's so much going on in the movie. That's impressive that you don't even realize that the like a word isn't like spoken out loud until like a good twenty minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that makes this movie really unique is that it's there is dialogue in it, both spoken and like sign language. But because of the premise of the movie, they really don't speak a lot. I think you were saying there's something around like thirty eight or so lines total spoken, and so that. It not only is it unique, but it kind of adds to the suspense of the movie. It just like makes everything, uh, all the communication has to be way more efficient. And when they're put in these difficult situations, they don't have the ability to like talk with each other and help each other figure things out. So it kind of makes everything a little scarier as well. Yeah. I'm just so caught up in the, the little details in this movie. And, you know, they, they pretty much like thought through this like whoever was like writing the script, the director, cinematographer, everyone really thought through what this family would be going through or what they would kind of how they would adapt to these yeah. like monsters. Another adaptation they did was they had like instead of plates when they're eating dinner, they ate on like lettuce leaves. And I thought the first time I watched this movie, I thought it was just like some sort of like hippie shit. <laughs> I don't think I realized like why they were doing it because they're just like walking around barefoot on a farm eating off lettuce. So I just. Didn't, and then, like, later on, you kind of see that, they're oh, they've, like, soundproofed the whole house, you know? Cool. I don't know if they soundproofed the whole house, but there was, they, I was curious why they were living in the barn instead of the house. Mm. And it, and then, like, they showed another scene where the daughter's thinking about going to the house and the dad's like, no. But you see that the, the steps in the house, like this old wooden house, have been painted for where it's safe to walk and mm-hmm. not walk. And so I thought that was ingenious where they've kind of thought all these little things through. They're like, okay, well, it's an old wooden house. Obviously, it's going to creak. That's going to attract monsters. So these characters probably have thought of a way to you know, evade that by painting strips on the ground where they can walk effectively. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good attention to detail in this movie. But I think what makes it the movie this is like how intense some of the scenes are. Like the monsters, you... First of all, in this movie, I thought it was good that you get to see the monsters quite a bit. And a lot of these movies, I'm always frustrated that, like, they kind of don't reveal the monster till later in the movie, if at all. But, like, you see it in, like, the first scene and then, like, frequently throughout. And so that kind of, you know, you're always aware of what's going on. You're kind of, like, tense the whole time. Like, oh, don't make a noise. Like, don't step too loud or whatever. And then whenever there's multiple scenes where the monsters come, like, are causing damage and stuff. And they're all very intense. And so that, that was, like, the thing that made this movie the best for me. It's, like, you... For how like ninety minutes or however long it is, you're like clinched, you know. Yeah, I think one of the cool things was whenever it switches to the daughter's point of view or the daughter's the the main character on screen, the all the audio goes quiet. It's complete silence, and I think that was such a great like a great thing that they've done in the movie because it adds another level of suspense 
because she can't hear. So she doesn't recognize that there might be a monster behind her. And they do a good job of like cutting from her to her brother. And he's screaming because he can, you can hear the monster. You can see it. But she's not able to hear it. And so she's not looking back. One, one thing I think about when I see movies like this, like you, the, the, the family, their life is so miserable. Like they're never, there's a couple of times where they like have some nice scenes, like they're playing Monopoly and like the husband and wife are like dancing and stuff, but largely their lives just look like they suck and they're not obviously going to be getting rid of the monsters anytime soon for most of the movie. Maybe in the end they are. But, like, I just think that, like, if I was to live in a post-apocalyptic world like that, there's no way I'd last a year. Like, I would just probably just kill myself. Like, it just doesn't look worth it to me. Yeah, I think they they establish that the family tries to keep the sense of normalcy, but then you also feel like they're always on edge all the time. Yeah, they look miserable to me. And, like, understandably so, but... Yeah, I like I couldn't imagine what would happen to someone if they had like we were talking about like if someone snores or farts in their sleep or something yeah. like that. Like, yeah, they like just get done like quickly. I yeah, first of all, I couldn't make it in that world because I couldn't be silent. Like I, my stomach growls all the time. I like make old man grunts and stuff. Like I just am not that quiet of a person. But even if I had the ability to, after like a year. And not anything getting better. I'd be like, what am I even living for? Like, I'm just always in fear that I'm going to get cut in half in like a split second as soon as I burp or something. The yeah. stress would get to me. Yeah, I can't, like, I can't imagine, like, if imagine you were like a comedian in this world. You're one thing, or the, the thing that you're good at is making people laugh, and you can't do that. No, all you can do is like harvest corn and survive eating corn in your basement basically like yeah. that's all you can do yeah like what if what if you're allergic to corn and you're yeah, fine? yeah it's nothing there's no other options yeah you can't even eat the best form of corn which is popcorn yeah because it makes too much exactly. noise that's the real tragedy of this movie i think yeah. there was no popcorn in the whole movie One thing that I never understood about why would they try to have another kid, right? Like, Yeah, just... I do not understand. It's like the worst possible scenario to bring a kid into the world. It's like post-apocalypse where if the kid makes any noise, which they inevitably will, they'll be cut in half like immediately by these aliens. And they're like... They already have two kids, you know. Yeah, well, they, yeah. I guess like they had three. They had three, and then like they didn't learn their lessons. Check. Yeah, and then I was just like, you're in these stores, getting groceries and toys and whatever. Like, just shoplift some condoms and you'll be fine. But do not get pregnant in this world. And it like her pregnancy directly leads to all the disasters that happen in the second half of the movie. Exactly. Like, I get wanting to bring kids into the world, but, like, that's just not the right time, you know? I was so frustrated by that the whole time I was watching this movie. I was like, are you kidding me? You're pregnant right now? Yeah. That, like, not only is it dangerous for the family, because, one, the the other adult in the movie is already... Basically, she she's not able to do the things that she would normally be able to do. Yeah, obviously. Because she has to, like, take care like, to not damage her baby. But then also... You're putting all this additional risk on the family yeah. because babies cry, people. They yeah. cry. All, it's going to be like years and years of just un, 
unmanageable risk basically yeah. you can't teach a newborn to not cry you know yeah uh, i i was so frustrated by that but everything worked out for them like in a way i mean the yeah. husband died yeah yeah <laughs> so not really <laughs> like i think they i mean i think they tried to make the best of a bad situation like who knows maybe it was like an unplanned pregnancy which yeah but like come on there's yeah. there's so many ways to not get pregnant and like so the thing is they show the first scene is like day 89 or whatever and then when they cut back in and living in house it's like day 460 something. something so there was you know over a year over well there was over a hundred days at least before she got pregnant so they knew the world they were living in. They had been shoplifting. Yeah. They could have gotten condos. They could have done some sort of family planning. And they didn't. And look what it led to. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was a cute baby. And I'm sure the baby is going to be grateful to have been born. You know? But come on. In a lot of horror movies, most people make really dumb decisions. Yeah. And in general, this family was pretty smart. The Yo, only yeah. dumb the decision... The horror movie family of all time. The only dumb decision was getting pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Now's not the time, Karen. I know. God. But, you know, I get it. Um, so, one cool thing in this movie that I thought they did really well... Uh, was maybe like halfway through the movie you see as the wife is walking downstairs they show this like nail sticking up from the floorboard and i think everybody watching the movie immediately is filled with like a sense of dread because you know that nail is going to come back to bite them and then of course it does that's kind of how the wife she steps on the nail and makes a noise and that's how everything gets set off but i thought it was just like like in the 15 minutes or so between showing the nail and then when she steps on it I was just totally filled with dread because every time they're walking around everything's happens like I know this is about to go to disaster I thought that movie did that so well yeah usually in movies I don't feel squeamish or kind of want to turn away from a grisly gruesome scene and I think like for that one nail scene I kind of did a little pullback and I was like oh uh, I looked away because yeah. I'd seen the first time I saw the movie I didn't know it was coming but when I watched it the second time I covered my eyes just because I was like I don't want to see this something about puncture wounds give me like a very visceral reaction yeah but I also think it's like such a relatable pain yeah. because almost every single person has stepped on something you know like and a Lego. yeah like God, fucking Legos. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine like if you were in a world filled with Legos everywhere yeah. it's another world I'd just kill myself <laughs> immediately I just can't do it maybe I just don't deal with adversity <laughs> very well I don't know <laughs> yeah. but yeah like that that was so much more I guess like intense and relatable than some of these other like gruesome acts of violence we see in other movies like i don't know what it feels like to get shot i imagine it's yeah bad. yeah which is definitely probably a worse pain yeah on a nail, but this one you're right like it's, like, it's so relatable like it was so like i understand watch. it yeah yeah, yeah that's another, true yeah another thing in this movie emily blunt was so phenomenal yeah. in her acting prowess yeah. in this movie the 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 her scene where she basically goes into um her water breaks and she goes into labor until like the delivery of the baby is just very intense and it's pretty much she's like the only single person on that scene and it follows her for a good 20 30 minutes and it's just very 
intense and it draws you in and like no dialogue or anything like that like all the acting is done just with facial expressions and like body stuff and she she just kills it i think she's like they're all the acting in this movie was pretty good there's only like well, six or so to, actors but she for sure was the best to clarify she doesn't kill the baby she kills the acting oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no the baby lives the baby lives spoiler yeah. alert not for a lack of the monsters trying yeah one interesting thing about the movie I don't know if you noticed this, was that almost all the doors are open. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of... Like, this goes into, like, how well they had thought out, like, everything. Because, you know, when you open a door, you're like, there's so many noises that go into it. Like, plus, I think they also thought, like, if they were running away from a monster, yeah, the door might be... A- and <laughs> the doors are not going to stop those monsters at all. It, like, cuts through a silo. And, like, you know, they're huge and powerful. So it's not... There's no point even closing them, you know? Yeah. Maybe the raccoons will get in, but yeah. And I'm I'm like curious how because they they had mentioned that the monsters were had armor on, mm-hmm. but the the family was pretty much what it seemed like in farm country. So I don't I don't know why they couldn't have like found a tractor that and gotten in because there was a scene where the kids were in the the truck uh-huh. and the monster was trying to break through and it. It took a lot of effort before Which the- I thought was weird because it so easily broke through the silo, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some, yeah. some, There are some inconsistencies in this movie. Yeah. Maybe it was, like, more so because it was, I guess, fight or flight. Because initially it's trying to attack something versus the when it broke through the silo, the, the daughter's uh, hearing aid. Yeah. And so it was in a more desired situation. But I still feel like if you can do it then, you can at least poke a hole through the top of the truck or something yeah. you know i also don't know, i thought it was a little inconsistent yeah i also don't know the strength of like what material silos are made from so maybe maybe <laughs> i'm sure they're not like paper bags yeah you know? yeah maybe you know maybe the truck was a ford and it's ford tough yeah this whole thing was a ford commercial <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's cool seeing uh John Krasinski and Emily Blunt acting together because they're married in real life. I, I think that's nice. I wouldn't say that I felt like any special chemistry between them more so than other actors and actresses because they usually do a good job. But I just like the fact that they are married and like did this movie together and did it well. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was a nice family outing. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good good bonding time, I'm sure. I wonder if they had... Do they have kids in real life? Yeah, so um, apparently some of the pictures in the house that we see yeah. are actually of John Krasinski and Lou Blunt and their kids. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, but they didn't cast the kids in the movie. Maybe their kids aren't actors. Yeah, right? I don't know. I, I feel like they could have... Like that son, he didn't do a whole lot. They could have like placed their kid in that role. Yeah, I also don't know how old their kid is, so uh, okay. I'm not jumping to any conclusions. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I can't judge their choices. But I think it would have been cool to have like the whole family in there, you know, like Will Smith style. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I would have been into it. Yeah, but then you might also run into the risk of like what happened with After Earth. Oh, uh, that movie suck. I didn't watch it. That's why choice. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, all right, so what were, what were some final thoughts on this movie? I I enjoyed it. I definitely it's probably one of my favorite horror movies in the last couple years. Really? Yeah, I like this one. I liked it. Follows. It, they definitely had a different perspective. Mm-hmm. I think different vibe that they gave off. Yeah, I would say I like the movie um, in that it it is intense and like scary at times and well done for what it is. But I think. I didn't love it just because of its limitations. Like 
there's not a whole lot of dialogue and there's not a whole lot of varying plot. There's really like three basic things that happen and it's like a drawn out scene that's intense, but there's no like not a whole lot of character development. There's not a whole lot of other stuff. It's just like what it is, basically just like an intense like scenario that is played out well and done really well, but it leaves like kind of leaves me wanting more in, in other ways. So I thought it was a good movie in its own right, but it's not like for me, anything that like moved me wasn't like great to me. It was just like fine. Like it was good for what it was if it didn't make me think or anything like that. So I thought it was like pretty good, but not great. Yeah. I think the, the thing with this movie though, versus like other horror movies, like other horror movies, we, when we normally watch them, we kind of come in with this like, Oh, nothing has gone wrong, and it slowly ramps up mm-hmm. over a period of time. Versus this one is already something's gone. Yeah, wrong. the first scene is like, in, like something goes wrong, and it's intense. Yeah, the whole time. well, we're already starting in a chaotic world. Yeah, and I think with the exception of that first scene um, that that takes place, like majority of the movie takes place over maybe a time of like. 24 to 48 hours yeah yeah so that's like it just it, it's not supposed to be the type of movie that has all these other things it is what it is and it, it does it well but for me yeah. i only can enjoy that up to a point so if i'm gonna give it you know a rating i would say maybe maybe seven out of ten lobes you know for yeah. me that's just what i would do seven out of ten lobes. yeah it was good like good but not like I would tell people to drop everything and go watch this movie. Yeah, I would. I would highly say watch this movie, but maybe not. Yeah, like you, you need to watch this. Yeah, movie. if you feel like going through like some intense suspense and horror, then you know it's a great choice. To get a deeper understanding of the characters and what they were going through, what they were thinking, we're going to actually be speaking with a good friend of mine from back in my undergrad days at A&M. Her name is Christina Menkmiller, and she was actually diagnosed with NF2, which has caused her to undergo some hearing loss. So Christina, thank you for being on with us today and being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, and so I guess before we get into anything, could you like tell us exactly what NF2 is? Yeah, definitely. So uh, basically, it's a rare genetic disorder that causes benign tumors to grow on your hearing and balance nerve. Um, So they're technically brain tumors, but the primary symptom that you develop is hearing loss. So I'm deaf in my left ear, um, but eventually I'll lose all of my hearing, completely deaf. Um, But you also develop tumors on your spine, and you can technically get them anywhere in your body, um, but your brain and spine is really where it focuses. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the the short form of it, but you can can develop a lot of other issues as well. Yeah, and so uh, I guess what led you to kind of investigate that you might have something like NF2? Um, So like how my symptoms started, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, so I was actually in grad school. I was getting my master's in social work to become a therapist. And I was crossing the street one day and literally my hearing in my left ear just dropped pretty much within a matter of seconds. And oh, really? Yeah, and I, I was taking a midterm. And so I was 
you know, in class, and I thought, this is just crazy. I thought it was allergies. I didn't know it was happening. Um, and then probably about 30 minutes later, I looked up for my test, and the room was just spinning. And I was having a really severe episode of vertigo. But I actually finished the midterm, and I got an A. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But then I, like, stood up from my table, and I completely collapsed into the table. And my professor thought I was drunk, and it was really bad. So, oh, man. But I was misdiagnosed a few times for a month. They thought I actually had Meniere's disease, which is a similar has similar symptoms with the vertigo. Um, and then finally, I went to a doctor who ordered an MRI, and then they discovered the two brain tumors. Um, is wasn't there also a genetic component to NF two? Yeah, so no one in my family has it, um, but now there's a 50% chance that we can pass it on. So um, you do, they make you do genetic testing when you first get diagnosed, and they can confirm your diagnosis through that, um, but they're not able to identify the gene in everybody, but they were in me, which obviously mm. means I sure have it too. Okay. I guess. Okay. Uh, so when, how many years ago was this that you first like had the symptoms? Was that like one or two years ago or was it? Three years. Three so years ago? Okay. Deep day three years ago. Okay. And then since then, you've lost all the hearing in your left ear? Yeah. My hearing's actually been pretty stable. I've had a little bit of decline, um, but basically all of it's gone in the left. I do hear bass noises. So yeah. I, I hear the noises you don't want to hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's distorted. So if you're on my left side, like I'll usually hear that someone is talking, but I can't identify what they're saying. Um, so it's just like your word comprehension is zero in that one. Mm. I think I got like one word right on my last hearing test. In oh. that. Okay. And did they, did they have any idea of how long it was going to take for the right ear hearing to go uh, kind of the same way as the left or is it kind of variable? It definitely can vary. So it's possible that it could just go instantly again. Um, they're estimating probably by the age of 40 that I'll be fully deaf. People lose it slowly. So it's not common to just lose it instantly and then it's gone. Um, they can actually bring your hearing back a little bit with steroids sometimes if you start them right away. But nobody knew what I had, so nobody yeah. on steroids. Mm. So I have had an episode since then where my hearing in my good ear did drop really quickly and they brought it completely back with steroids. Okay. Um, but but otherwise it's just a guessing game. They they don't really know a whole lot. How is it like living like that and not really knowing when it's going to go, especially since your first one dropped so suddenly? I imagine that's pretty I I feel like it caused me some anxiety for sure. Yeah, no, it definitely does. So, I think one of the biggest frustrations and I I kind of always think when you have brain tumors, you never know, like is it in your head, is this just you're going crazy or is this actually like your brain is something is happening? Um, and so one of the biggest things that I have is if so the tinnitus, so I get ringing in my ears really bad all the time in both ears and it fluctuates. And so sometimes the tinnitus will just drop. And when it does that, it almost makes me think I've lost my hearing. And so I'll panic. Mm -hmm. Kind of that, yeah. oh my gosh, what just happened? And then it just sort of goes back to normal. Um, but but it is, it's, it's a very, at first it was really, really terrifying all the time. Um, but I think over time you just, it's like anything, you just kind of get used to it. And you sort of have to choose to not constantly let yourself be overcome and overwhelmed by it. I think um, 
having my husband helps a lot, you know, in those moments of panic, usually what I'll do is I'll just admit it to him and I'll say, Hey, I'm feeling really scared about this, or I'm getting some weird noises in my ear or weird pain. And then once I tell him, it usually diffuses my anxiety about it. And so I kind of like, okay, it's out there. I admitted it. I'm fine now. Um, but, but it is, it's scary. It's not a fun way to have to live your life. Especially it was very traumatic losing it so quickly like that. But thankfully that's not the case for everybody. Um, typically it's slow. So it's just unfortunate that for me, that's how it happened. So it was, it was definitely a rough couple of years and it still is. It's still hard adjusting to it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I, if I remember correctly, uh, at your wedding, you said your vows both in, uh, spoken word and in sign language. Like if I remember correctly, like you're, when you found out this diagnosis and you were going to lose your hearing, both you and your husband started taking sign language classes, right? Yeah, well, sort of. So so the hard part was the timing of this was just crazy. I was, you know, two months from graduating with my master's, three months from getting married, moving to Florida. And I was actually, um, the week I was diagnosed, I had gone to Orlando to visit my husband. He was working at Disney up here at the time. And it was our, like, five-year dating anniversary. And so it was really convenient we were together. But during that, we really started talking about, you know, okay, obviously our life is totally changing. Um, and our wedding, I really want to be able to experience our wedding fully and get to enjoy that as much as possible. And I don't want to, you know, just write our vows or do something like that. But I actually had a friend in grad school who's wife is a sign language interpreter. And she'd actually never used her interpreter's license because she had kids and just got busy. So our vows was the only thing she's actually used it for. Um, But it was really cool. She started making videos and and recordings for us to start practicing and getting into it. And so we were really, you know, we surprised our family. We did our vows that way. It was really special. And we were really excited, enthusiastic about sign language. And then I moved to Florida and I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I think it was just, you know, it's a cool language. It's really, really important for us to learn it. But it's a really hard thing to start your marriage thinking this will be our only way to communicate one day. And I think emotionally, neither of us were really in a place where we could genuinely be motivated to do that and to dedicate the time and effort to it. And on top of it, we had all my other health stuff happening at the same time. Um, so we, we actually tried learning sign language a couple times. Like we had a few different options that we started and then we gave up on. So so currently we are, you know, and then we, of course, we did our traveling this last year and a half. So now we're um, starting to look at some different options again. But it's just, it's hard to find the motivation for something until you're really ready. And, you know, it's not like you got to take Spanish in high school. This is this is going to be our only option eventually. So we're trying again, but we do know little signs and we, I can say, you know, how to go to the bathroom, that kind of thing, but that's about it for now. I think one thing that I appreciated during the movie was that whenever the daughter was on, you, you didn't hear any like, music or anything going on you just hear heard silence and i I guess uh for you when you went deaf in the your left ear uh yeah you were able to kind of hear only muted sounds is that correct or i don't know how you describe them yeah it's just like a whole other world you're even even though i can hear some things in it it's an extremely frustrating version and so it's just that your brain is just kind of 
it's just like a shock to it in that sense that which actually initially when I did lose my hearing I was much more deaf at that point even though I could still hear out of my right ear it was just such a shock to my brain to lose it so quickly and so I at that point it was like I couldn't hear anything like people would be right next to me and would be having to yell basically for me to understand them. And so I could definitely relate to just that silence whenever they would shift to that. I thought that was such a cool part because it is really that you, what is going on in your brain and your ears is something so different from the person right next to you. And it's a very surreal experience too, which for her, I'm sure she was born deaf most likely. And so it's all she's ever known. But for me, it's definitely you know, also a sad thing to watch that and say, oh, no, that's what I'm going to go through one day, too. Mm. Have you, uh, like, since you got your diagnosis, reached out or, like, met any people that have NF2 and are, like, further along in the disease process than you are? Yeah, so actually because of my blog, it's been really cool. I have now people all over the world, uh, literally everywhere, that reach out to me and that I have Skyped with a few of them. Um, I message and text regularly with quite a few of them. And I've gotten to meet people in person who have it as well, um, and of all ages, too. So that's been a really cool thing. But initially, I was a little bit hesitant about interacting with people who were further along than I was because it's also really scary to do that until you're ready to, to handle that because it is a scary reality to see what your future might look like. Um, and so sometimes my focus has been more people that are kind of at the same rate that I am, um, that can still hear quite a bit. But I have a couple friends who have cochlear implants and, and things like that too, that they're technically further along, but other than the hearing loss, they don't really have too many other issues too, which is about where I'm at as well. Mm -hmm. um, so so it's been it's been a very cool experience getting to do that, but it is rare, so there's not a whole lot of us in one area. I think I have one friend in Orlando. She actually doesn't even in, live in Orlando that has it. Mm -hmm. it well, it's nice to be able to even have like a few people to just like relate to and kind of speak with. I think anytime anything, you're going through anything kind of difficult, it's nice to have someone to talk through it with, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a very, very validating experience. I remember the first time I met anyone with this and it was an extremely just that my doctor was actually at the place that I was working and um, I conveniently I worked for my neuro oncologist. I got hired as a social worker for him during my first appointment with him. Um, but that also created an opportunity for me to meet someone who had this. And he explained it as like two rare birds meeting for the first time. And it's kind of just that, yeah, you just it's like you found each other finally. And it's a cool, it's a really, really cool thing to get to do that, especially in person, because most of it's online. But online communication is a little hard for people that have hearing loss. <laughs> so it's a... Yeah. A challenging thing, especially it's kind of funny when, you know, if I were to Skype with someone who does have worse hearing than I do, it's like there's just, you know, there's nothing you can do. So it's, I'm used to other people having to sort of adapt to my situation. And then it's hard when you both are adapting to each other. So it's a complicated way to meet, but but it is really cool when you get to connect with each other for sure. Mm -hmm. And then also, I think you had mentioned earlier something about uh, like a time of traveling uh, with your husband or something. Can you tell me a little more about that? Yeah, so we actually, uh, I guess it was a year and a half ago now, we had quit our jobs and we decided to travel the world together. Um, for We ended up doing it for, I think, 14 months, but we did like 12 months of international travel. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, so the first couple months we focused on just visiting friends and family. I'm from Texas, so we got to go back to Texas for a bit as well and um, and just made that the priority. And then from January to this past December, we started in South Africa and then we ended in Asia. Um, so, But we did come back a lot. We had to come back in between trips for my doctor's appointments and um, things like that. But it was a really, really crazy time. So we're done now. This is our like first month home. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's good. You got to like experience a lot of things uh, that, you know, like bucket list items, I imagine, like, well, you could still hear. So, so that's nice that you got to do that for sure. Yeah, it was awesome. Especially if you think of with traveling, going to a foreign country can be such an overwhelming experience, even if you can hear. And it doesn't matter even just speaking a different language. You might just be like standing in someone's way and they're just trying to get you out of their way. And I don't hear them telling me that and uh, things like that. So it's definitely a challenge traveling with hearing loss. So I'm really grateful. We'll still do it even when I lose my hearing. But I'm really grateful we got to experience what we did while I still have it, at least for the most part. Yeah, just to kind of like tie into the movie, I think when uh, Jason and I had watched it, we were talking about how... It, I think the the reason that the family in the movie actually knew sign language so well was because their daughter presumably had it since she was born. And so they had to adapt to that situation. But like you said, I think it would be very challenging to even learn another language. I can imagine how difficult it would be like to be as an adult living your life and trying to like learn this on top of everything else that's going on. Yeah, it definitely is. And you really need someone to practice with a lot. So for them in the movie as a family, they were all learning it probably together, at least the parents especially, and teaching it to their children at the same time. So they were really in a good situation. And a lot of families who have children who are born deaf, it's the same scenario. It's, it's a little bit more of that family experience. Whereas now I'm an adult and I was, you know, my everyone's used to me being able to hear. And so it's a little bit harder to just switch that and, and try to learn an entire new language just, you know, off the drop of a hand kind of thing. And I think one last question I have for you is uh, just like, so you, you watched the movie a few days ago. Did, was there anything in particular that you like saw in the movie that you thought was interesting that you could relate to, or did you kind of just more see it as just a normal movie? And I don't know if like I've watching it as someone who's had like hearing loss, if you would like pick up on things that I might not relate to per se, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I actually, first of all, I actually really liked the movie. I, mm -hmm wouldn't have chosen to watch that probably on my own. So I'm really glad you had me do this. I thought it was really good. Um, but first off, I thought it was awesome because people who are deaf can watch that movie from the same perspective that a hearing person could. And that's very, very unique. And there's very few opportunities like that out there now. Um, but I also really like that the reason the family lived was because they knew sign language. And that's because of her and because of her hearing loss. And so, like with my husband and I, we are very, very focused on finding all the good things in our life that my disorder has brought us and like our traveling and just different people in our life. And we actively seek out those things. And so for this movie, I just couldn't stop thinking like no matter what, even if her little brother died because she did something, the only reason any of them were alive was because of her and because of her situation. And so I thought it was sort of a cool, positive thing that I don't know if anyone would have noticed that. Um, but for me, I just thought that was a cool perspective on it. And I appreciated getting to see a movie that I, I thought it was very different from typical movies from that. Um, but there were definitely a few smaller things. One thing I thought was very uh, kind of funny was when she starts rubbing her fingers together next to the cochlear implant, 
that's actually something that doctors will do. They test your hearing. Um, like my neuro-oncologist neuro will kind of snap his hands in either side of my ear. And so I myself, when I panic and I think my hearing is changing, I'll do that at home. Like I'll rub my fingers together. And so I just thought it was a funny little thing that I literally turned to my husband. I was like, oh my gosh, I do that too. And <laughs> it's kind of a, the small subtle things like that were kind of cool to watch from, from this perspective that to anybody else probably would just look like, oh, okay, that's like makes sense that she does that, I guess. But that that's to me kind of like an anxiety response too. Um, so yeah, I really, I genuinely enjoyed the movie and I don't know if you guys liked it at all. I enjoyed it yeah. too. Yeah. I didn't pick up on like that being like a real, uh, test for like hearing and stuff, but it's, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I think that's part of the benefit of like hiring an actress that actually has hearing loss. I think, cause I was reading that she actually like kind of wrote that, like she one who decided to do things like that and to like make things more realistic on how she would like test her hearing and go about hearing. I think she like, you know, mentioned to John Kersinski that she like did was a little more like emotionally lashing out because she had hearing loss. You can kind of see in the movie how she's like upset with her family and things like that. And I, I was reading that she was the one who like made these suggestions to these people to make it more of like a relatable experience, especially the, like people who lost their hearing as a child. And so I think, you know, that's one of the benefits of having an actress that actually has hearing loss. Yeah. I think, I think John Kaczynski did a great job. He, he directed and acted in the movie and anything with him, Ramey Blunt, I always watch. Yeah. Um, but I think they did a good job of portraying the, I think, like a family dynamic where they've gone through this big loss. Uh, it felt very real, if that makes sense. Like, even though the it's like very fiction based, like that, like that family dynamic seemed very real where they'd gone through this loss. And it's something that, you know, you're like, they never, it never goes away. So they're dealing with this while also, um, Emily Blunt's just acting in that movie was phenomenal. Like the whole scene where she's trying to, uh, she goes into labor and trying to fend off the creatures from her and her newborn child. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I, I don't know if we have any too many more questions for you. Uh, do you, Brad? No, I think I think that was about it. Thank you so much for being on with us. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was really cool, like hearing all this perspective and stuff that I, you know, I haven't ever gotten anywhere else before. So thanks a lot for being here. I appreciate it. No problem. This was great. Also, one little funny thing I forgot to say though. Um, I don't know if you guys would ever know this either, but the feedback that she was getting that actually killed the monsters or was like led to their destruction. That actually happens when you hold hearing aids next to each other when they're oh. turned on, and I can't hear that sound. So I'll have it like I would. I used to wear hearing aids, but I don't anymore. And when I would do that, I'd have them together. And my husband would say, "It's like the worst noise in the world. Like, what are you doing?" And I thought, "I don't hear what you're talking about." Mm. But I thought that was a really cool thing too. That something that for people who are hearing or wouldn't have that experience might not realize that either. That that's actually like a genuine thing that can happen. That terrible feedback sounds. Uh, yeah yeah i had no idea but that makes sense too and it, that's the thing they ended up like saving the whole maybe the whole world i don't know how the movie really ends like if they end up saving the world but that was like the thing that killed the monsters so pretty okay. cool and i guess one last question is like what's on the horizon for you and your husband now that y'all are back 
Yeah, so I am actually currently in the process of starting a nonprofit. So I'm not quite telling anyone what it's for yet. <laughs> um, but it is very much a direct result of our traveling and definitely of my condition as well. And my husband is an industrial engineer. So he is back working. Um, he We needed health insurance since I started treatment, I guess, pretty much like three weeks after we got back home, I had to start chemo again. So um, so we're kind of just dealing with all that at the same time and just trying to be adults again <laughs> and figure out that. But it's good. We, we're happy to be home, but we're already planning like our next trip. We're having a hard time <laughs> not thinking of we're leaving again soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, best of luck with the the nonprofit and all that stuff. It's, I don't, I obviously I don't know the details, but it sounds like it'll be be great so excited for that and i'll check out the blog too i didn't even know you had one but yeah you should thank yeah. you let me know what you think <laughs> yeah we'll do <laughs> yeah and thank you so much for being on today we appreciate it yeah it's nice meeting you yeah it was nice meeting you and good seeing you again Raul. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's about all we got for you today. Thanks for listening. Uh, we had a good time watching this movie. Good time talking with our guest, Christina, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. And make sure to follow our social media and check out beingposition.com. <laughs> <laughs>